Today's guest on the Horny Deer Sense podcast is Michael Lee from the Backwoods Life Hunting Show. In doing some show prep, I learned that Michael graduated from Valdosta State University with a degree in computer information systems. So I was really intrigued, wanted to learn more about how he goes from that career path to being able to do what he loves for a living. Uh, I was really excited to speak with him and he did not disappoint. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, founder of Horny Deer Sense, Scott Pratt. In this podcast, we connect with personalities across the outdoors, sharing hunting tips, reliving old hunting memories, and discussing life in general. Our goal as a podcast and as a company is to bring new hunters into this great lifestyle and to help keep the ones that we've got. So settle in, hang out with us for a little while on the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. All right, Michael Lee, welcome to the Horned Deer Sense Podcast. What's going on, man? Uh, man, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, we connected a little while ago and, you know, between then and season starting and getting crazy and then finally been able to do it, but it's, it's been one that I've been looking forward to. Well, I appreciate it. I hope I can live up to expectations. <laughs> you know, we could stop right now and you would have already lived up to the expectation. Basically, I... I I don't expect much out of anybody. So just you showing up, that was enough for me. Just say just showing up to have to battle, right? Exactly. But now, so I've been keeping up with you guys, uh, obviously your videos and social media, and uh, looks like y'all have had just a hell of a season, but it looks like your dad has just been crushing it. Yeah, I don't like to talk about him a whole lot because he's <laughs> me up sometimes and he makes it a point known that he's done better than me every year. So, okay. You know, I mean, that's just that old man coming out of him, I guess. But, um, no, we, we've done pretty good. Um, it, we had a rough start. We started here in Georgia with corona and crap, so it messed up all kind of plans of early season stuff and whatever, um, and probably did for everybody that listens to stuff like this. It's been um, a year. But, um, you know, it's gotten better as we've gone on. We started out here in Georgia, uh, had some bad luck here, and then – uh, once we started traveling a little bit, we got, got some under our belt. And I've killed, I've got to get two buck tags in Georgia and I killed one here. So I'm trying to fill that other one, you know, a good one. But my dad, he tagged out in October and he never two studs too. And I mean, he shot, the first one was a nine point that we didn't even know existed. It was probably about 140 inch deer. And then he killed this eight point that, I mean, it's a dream eight point. I, I think he's going to score in the mid fifties as a and just massive big i talked to our taxidermist today he's a good buddy of mine and he said man that deer was old he said his teeth were worn down flat and so uh he, he we had no idea that deer existed either i mean 150 just, plus eight point that is strong that's a big boy I, I will i tell this to people all the time i'm in camp i would rather shoot a 150 inch eight point than 169 inch 10 point Oh, absolutely. Now, a, a big, a big eight, there's, uh, there's something majestic about it. You know, just, mm -hmm. especially if it's real symmetrical and just long. Yeah. And, and the reason I said 169, 10, cause if you hit that 70 mark, I don't care how many points. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't, I've never, I've never even come close to looking at a 170 type deer. Uh, most of, most of my life, I just been, you know, hunting really within kind of a, uh, an hour to, you know, three hour radius of up here in Northwest Georgia and, uh, you know, taking some good deer, but I, once we started doing this and started, I, I think really when it hit me is when we did Iowa last year and people were coming by our table and they were showing us racks that they were getting scored. <laughs> I, did, I feel like... I felt like I had wasted the first 20 years of my life deer hunting and they're just so casual about it up there. And most of the time they would say, Oh, you should have seen the one that I didn't get a shot on. <laughs> well, the thing, I'm the same way, man. I mean, I'm born and raised here in South Georgia. We hunted, I mean, hunting clubs with, with my dads and uncles and grandfathers and just, you know, it was more about hunting camp than it was hunting. For the Absolutely. Most of the folks, you know, and it's still that way. Don't get me wrong, but, 
you know, then we got into saying, okay, well, we've shot enough truckloads of spikes and four points and maybe an eight point here and there that let's start managing. And, you know, that kind of trend back in the 90s, everybody kind of got into QDMA Kool-Aid. Right. And my grandfather was a firm believer that you are supposed to kill every doe on the planet. Like he, oh, he really? all walked out, he was going to put a hole. In that. <laughs> no, that's I said, amazing. Hey, I got, I got, we, we called him Pop. I said, Hey, Pop, we're going to have to back off the nose a little bit because I don't think we got any deer. That's amazing. So if he sees a doe, she's dead. Oh, it, it, it was bucks dying, yearling does. I mean, spikes, it didn't matter. He was close <laughs> enough to a doe. He, he just going down. So, but we had fun. And, and, and then he was one of my best hunting partners in this world. But uh, we had a lot of good times. But we, we you know, we, we kind of had to, reset a little bit and say okay we can't shoot all the does but we need we, we can thin out hurt a little bit right. but oh, anyway, we awesome. started you know growing some better deer and but i got my first deer it's, it's here in my office around the corner right here but um it's literally probably 110 115 inch 10 point and i thought i'd kill a dang state record when i that shot sounds that sounds like my trophy room i mean <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that though. I mean, that's my thing. Like, I, I, we've got a, a lease over outside of my Cray, Georgia. And I mean, the deer aren't as big as like on my family farm where my dad, you know, dad lives and my family there. Um, and we, we're lucky to have that place. I mean, it's generational property and all that. I and mean, we don't have a ton of land. We got just good sections here and there and kill some good deer. And I've killed, you know, 150 inch deer there. But where we our lease over here, we're not going to kill 150 inch deer over there more than likely. We shoot right. for Mature deer. I don't care what they score and have fun and just well, do what you want to do. I think that's what makes your show and everything that you guys do so appealing is because it's just real. Like you can tell, you know, you guys, y'all get to go some really cool places now and you get to kill some really big deer and, you know, you're living a life that I think inside every deer hunter wishes they could. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, really. That's but, true you can tell that you didn't start there, you know, like there's still the camaraderie and everything that goes along with everything that you guys do. And it's hard, you know, you're not there personally, but it's so, it's so familiar. It's hard not to feel that intimacy with your show. Well, and that's been our goal. I mean, I, and don't get me wrong. When, when we first got going, we didn't have anywhere to hunt. We were hunting local. We were hunting, you know, our, our family land or lease property, whatever. And then as we kind of built this thing and our relationships, we got invites here and, you know, bought hunts here and whatever the case may be. I've been lucky to go all over the place. And, and, and I, I was talking earlier and, and I mean, I'm looking around this room right now and there's stuff I never would have thought in my life that I would, yeah. I would have on my wall. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Um, just been fortunate and blessed and, and, I mean, it's a God thing. I don't care what nobody says. That's the only reason I'm sitting in this chair right now. Hey, and they will do this stuff, you know. To your to your point, my cousin and I, we were we were actually hunting this morning. So we finally got some doe days up here in northwest Georgia and we decided to get together and uh, you know, from a management standpoint, not like your grandfather <laughs> or your grandfather, but from a management standpoint, take out a couple of does. I've not had one sit all year long where I've not seen a doe. All we saw all morning was small bucks in on our first doe day. <laughs> That's what um, I get, But when we were out there, you know, you, you start talking and, you know, you cover any number of topics, but one of them did come back to faith in God. And then there just being some things that have no other explanation. You know what I'm saying? Like in for the person that it affects that way, you can't convince them other than that, like when they've seen it with their own eyes. So for you to say that you're sitting there because of that, I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're literally the, the reason you and I are sitting here talking to each other right now was a plan that was put in place 14, 16, 18 years ago now, however long ago, that the sequence of events led us to, to, to me and you having this conversation. So well, I look at it that way as – Back to you, and the best compliment I could give is what you said earlier was like, you know, you, you know, you see that we, we worked for it, we grew up, you know, me and you probably have a similar family background and how we hunted growing up, being from right. Georgia. There's a lot of the same story, you know, and, you know, we didn't have a lot that these other people in this industry have. And I'm not calling no names, I'm not bad mouthing anybody because for sure. you're blessed with what you're blessed with when you're born, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you're, you're dealt a certain hand. Exactly. And and then what you do with your hand is, is what you want to do and, and how you live your life. And for sure. I think 
from the standpoint of the best compliment we can get is that people watch our show and say, hey, that's somebody I want to sit in hunting camp with or watch our videos, social media, whatever, say, hey, I want to hang out. They'd be fun to hunt with. We're not stressing about having to shoot the biggest maturest deer on the planet that's named whatever that we've known him for 28 yeah. years and been hunting him for 23, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking it. I just can't do that. That's not how yeah. I was raised. That's not how I don't have land like that to hunt. I go hunt other places and I'm, I, I would buy by their rules and such. For sure. but, you know, man, I mean, I there's think, no way that you could, you know, it's been what, 16 years now? 2004 was the first uh, season, right? So you're 16 years in, but even watching today's videos, there's still that spark. There's still, you know, you can see that you still love what you do. And if you don't take that approach that you started with, I don't think that you do that, that you can still do that at this point and, you know, be genuine in what you're doing. And, and, and the, the best thing about what we're hitting on here is I just got back from Texas. It's been a couple of weeks or a week and a half ago, whatever it was. Um, we had a great time out there. We shot some deer. Um, we shot some good deer. We shot mature, some some managed duck bucks, if you want to call them that. We weren't hunting them, but that's what walked out. So we shot them. We weren't Absolutely. waiting on the 70 to walk out when there's a five-year-old eight-point stand there. I'm like, I, I got him. Hell yeah. But, yeah. The, the, the last day of that hunt, we went to another another county. With the hunt, county we were hunting, we could only kill one buck. So we killed there. We bounced around this other ranch that was an hour and a half away in another place. And we killed there. And then the guy we're hunting was like, hey, I got another place. You know, we'll hop over here. You can shoot another buck in that county. So I went over there. And the last afternoon, I'm sitting there. And the situation was I could shoot any buck I wanted to. Like the, the landowner's like, you shoot whatever it makes you happy. It don't matter. Merry and I'm Christmas. sitting there. And, and dude, like a, a eight point comes out. And he's a pretty dude. It was right at dark. And, you know, I'm sitting there and he walks out. I get my gun up, and I'm like, I'm fixing to drop him. And we're hunting over a feeder, and that's what you do in Texas and most of the rest of the places I hunt. But, Absolutely. But so the deer standing behind this feeder, I said, no, I'm not going to shoot him behind the feeder. I'm at least going to let him walk out and get good video. And the longer I sat there and I watched, I, I didn't shoot him. Like, I, I talked myself out of him, and I got to look, and I was like, that's one of them deer that if I pull the trigger and I get down to him, he's going to shrink, and I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be yeah. proud of him. I talked myself out of it. Been fine if I had a shot, but it's one of those things where I sat there and I've done this thing long enough that I realized that what I was seeing wasn't what was fixing to happen. And I wasn't going to do that to myself. That's a bad thing. I mean, it's one of those things. We, we've all done it. We've oh, yeah. I just told you about the, my, my first deer I got mounted over here. When I shot that deer, dude, I, I just knew he was a 10 point and he was big, and that's all I cared about. I didn't that's, care about it When I was small, that's all when my dad would relay stories to me about deer that they had shot or seen, you know, the ones that got away and whatnot, mm -hmm. people didn't talk in terms of inches. It was how many points he had. Exactly. He was like, Oh, I killed a temple. That's awesome. I mean, oh, that's a hell of a deer. Before the social media, whatever you want to call it, kicked in and everybody's talking about everybody's stuff and deer's got to be so old and all this. They gave him another year. Bro, before you could take a picture with your cell phone, you had, you know, nobody, unless they saw the rack, nobody ever saw what you killed. It used and to like, be, I heard, I heard somebody over in the next county killed a good right. buck last week. Exactly. And and now, you know, obviously, oh, I got a picture right here on my phone, you know, but um, back then, they're like, well, how many, you know, you killed your buck? Yeah, I killed one. What you kill? He's eight point. You know what hurt me? told nobody he was this big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it pains me like in I, I'm at the point with all of this where I just want more people to hunt. You know, I want more people to get into the sport. I want more people to enjoy it feel fulfilled with it. And it really pains me in all of these, you know, I'm in a number of, you know, different groups on Facebook that revolve around Georgia hunting. I think there's like the Georgia rut report and different ones, uh, Northwest Georgia kills and stuff. But it pains me every time I see somebody with a buck and in the picture, they're obviously proud of this deer. You know, they, they've experienced what you know, we all love and what we do. And yeah. then the caption says, well, he's not the biggest, but well, you know, he wasn't the one I was looking for. But. Yeah. They feel like you have to do that because somebody's going to be like, oh, ain't, you know, whatever. Somebody's going to bash your trophy. But I mean, that's a crock of crap, man. It is. I, it sucks. What gets me is, and and I and I, um, 
I ain't going to say time frame because then somebody watches this, they'll know who I'm talking about. But, <laughs> um, somebody recently sent me a picture of a deer and I mean, it was a nice buck. I mean, I probably would have shot him here in Georgia. He's a nice 10 point wide, didn't have real long times, but he was a good looking deer. And they're like, well, this was an old deer, old cult. Oh yeah. You know, there ain't no such thing as a cold deer. I don't care what nobody says. That's an excuse somebody makes up to shoot a deer. Absolutely. If you want to shoot him, just shoot him. Be proud of him. I don't care if he's two or ten. Yeah. Hold him up. Smile because you you know you had fun if you pulled a call the back. Yeah. This this is a ten year old call on the way down. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's and, sucks. This, and, and we, were, <laughs> we were at the farm last weekend, and my dad's trying to help some guys out that just brought some bought some property and kind of you know, educate him on, on some things. And they called him the other night and was like, hey, Big Mike, uh, we've got this one deer my son saw. He's, he's probably two years old, but he's got a messed up rack. Should we shoot him? And he's like, if you want to shoot a deer, shoot a deer. <laughs> yeah, don't look he's for permission. A, don't, don't look for an excuse to shoot a deer. Just if you want to shoot him, shoot him. If not, don't shoot him. That's right. what he told him. And it, I think that confused him worse, to be honest oh, with yeah. you. Now, well, it's, uh, I feel like for people getting into the sport, you know, there's such a high bar that's supposedly set to view yourself as successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we as hunters are our own worst enemy. There's no doubt about yeah. that. And, and I'm not going to, I mean, I will blame some of it on videos and TV. There's no doubt. And I'm not knocking the people out there that have to shoot you know, five, six-year-old deer every year, and they're shooting 160s and 200s. And if, oh, if this deer is not 170, I'm not going to shoot. That's fine. That's their opinion. That's their yeah. deal. But I think the average person that watches that, they either have two ways they look at it. They look at it and go, well, that ain't me because I don't have nowhere to hunt. It's got that kind of yep. Or they drink the Kool-Aid so hard that they think that's the way hunting has to be. Right. And we've kind of desensitized to, I mean – I should, I, back in the day, man, when I was, you know, teenager, high school hunting with my family, we shot 15 inch, eight point. It didn't make, I mean, we didn't worry. We didn't even know what age on a deer was back then. We knew if it was a button buck, he was really young. <laughs> yeah. He's probably young, but when he got six, eight, whatever, Hey, that's all, you know, game on. But right. you know, we, I got so many pictures of deer like that, that we killed and we're so proud of them. And I don't want to take that away from nobody. I don't want to take that away from myself. I mean, I like to shoot big deer as much as anybody else in this world, but don't let that dictate what you need to do. I For mean, sure. you, you know, the biggest thing people ask me all the time, they're like, man, how do I, you know, how do I get bigger deer on my property? Well, what's the biggest deer you've ever had on your property? 130. Well, what do you, do you feed? You got food plots, you got water, you got cover. Yeah. Yep. Well, that might be all you can grow. Yeah. That might no, be all your property can have. Very so, true statement. You know, hunt that. Yeah. Get, get outside, you know, like just get out there and enjoy the hell out of yourself. That's right. Uh, my dad, so my dad, uh, we almost lost him earlier this year, like in February. Uh, I get a phone call and he's had a heart attack and it's, it's the widow maker, right? And uh, shouldn't be here. Going back to the conversation about God, though, there's some, certain things you can't explain. You know, we're up here in Northwest Georgia uh, the doctor, the, the hospital he was at didn't have a specialist in that field. So the doctor has to drive up from Kennesaw. If the guy hits any level of traffic jam, like my dad's gone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the other day, and he can't get around like he used to. And yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's taking it easy. He's still recovering, but I tell him like, dad, you know, they're, they're running over here. I'll take you out here. I'll get you a deer. Let's do it. You know, let's go. So I get him out there and uh, the setup was perfect. There was a roll of hay bales and one had tipped over, not, not intentionally, but it, it served perfect. Just be able to put him in a seat behind it. You know, I set the video camera up and it's just me and him hanging out. We're sitting there and uh, we see a lot of deer that morning. And it, as soon as we're not focused, he, like he says, I, oh, I forgot to take my medication, you know? So he, he's feeling around with his medication. He's, you know, taking his pills and whatnot and all of a sudden i start hearing some grunting in the field next to us and i'm like dad you better get your gun you better get your gun you better get your gun so he's he's fumbling and you know it's all part of the excitement but they eventually bust through and i didn't even know he was going to shoot but kind of going back to your old grandfather <laughs> when they get something <laughs> in their mind something's dying right 
So they bust out, and uh, he he ends up dropping, you know, basket rack eight point. And it's nothing that we'll ever put on the wall, but I promise you that will be my favorite deer that I ever see die. Like we, sh in a sense, shouldn't have even had that opportunity to do that. You know what I mean? I guess just that's what I'd like people to focus on: just the experience in and around what you're doing. Like don't don't get obsessed. You know, just get out there and there's so much to take from it more so than a social media post or something hanging on your wall. Right. And, and that's, uh, it's funny you tell that story. And, and we're, since we're talking about my grandfather, uh, Pop, um, I remember our last turkey hunt together before he got sick. And um, it was the last day of turkey season. And we had just a field full of turkeys. There was hens out there. There was gobblers. There was a pile of jakes. There was one gobbler, actually, and like seven jakes out there. And this gobbler, he, you know, he bowed up, stayed out in the middle of the field like gobblers do, wouldn't come in. We had decoys, and all the jakes came over to the decoy. And he looked, he, he's kind of sitting there. He's like, you want me to shoot one? And I was like, the only reason I told him no is it wasn't our property. Like, we, we weren't trespassing, but we, we the guy we were hunting on. <laughs> Didn't want anybody to shoot any Jake. So I was like, Pop, we better not just because, you know, we're respecting his wishes. But in hindsight, I wish I had told him to level them. Just oh, like, yeah. you know, not knowing the future, like you said. I mean, you don't never know. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Right. Have fun right now. I mean, if you shoot a spike or a four point or an eight point, there'll be another one next year. Make that memory. It ain't no, it ain't no, no big deal. Um, that deer might think it's a big deal, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, day, if I post it, I'll say, "Here's a call eight point we took." <laughs> <There you laughs> Here's a cool eight point. Yeah, that's a cool spike I might shoot this evening. I don't Absolutely, know. but now, and I think you know, going back to why people relate so closely with you and your show, you know, there are some rough edges. You know, like you're you're human. You know, and I think just more so the relatability to all that. Uh, but even going back before that, I'll say this. It was so relatable in preparing for this episode. You know, I always try to go back and learn what I can about the people I'm going to be meeting with. And so I eventually was led back to your LinkedIn profile. And I had absolutely no clue that you had a technology background. You know, like I'm going through your LinkedIn profile and it's talking about like network, uh, like admin type work and actually getting into the weeds of, you know, technology and to see what you had done with Backwoods Life and everything from that point, it made sense in hindsight, given the social media presence and, you know, how fluent you are just with technology. But I didn't know that you had actually been in the weeds at some point. Yeah. Um, so quick history lesson. I graduated from Valdosta State University with a computer information systems degree back a hundred years ago now, it seems like. But um, my first job out of college, I was an operations manager at Valdosta State. While I was in school there, I did uh, internships and co-op programs, stuff like that. And I installed networks. I did Y2K compliance for a lot of stuff. That's um, hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I and, I and I'm sitting there with people, like, we do not speak the same language whatsoever. Yeah. Our accent <laughs> might be similar because we're both from the South. I've been there. Yeah. I'm there like, what, you know, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to the farm, I'm going to shoot from here. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever they were doing. Uh -huh. I don't know. Getting a new, watching a new Star Wars movie or something. I don't I mean, not that I'm not a fan of that kind of crap, but I mean, Different just, strokes for different folks. Yeah, I mean, look, I got no problem. I, I do like Star Wars. I've seen it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I'm one of them folks that I'm pretty simple dude, but up in here, I'm pretty complex. So, so from your start, your, you know, what you majored in and ultimately got your degree in, how close were you to actually pursuing a, a career in technology or was that even an option? That honestly, that was my well. I, all right, so let me let me tell more about me. Um, I went to college here, and literally, for some reason, I thought I wanted to be a math major. I was good at math. Like I, I was really, I took nine 
math classes in college. All, really? Every, every calculus, every. Which you got to have to go in that field. Yeah, I mean, linear algebra to stuff I can't even, I don't even know anymore, like the matrix and stuff. I guess I could have yeah. been in that movie. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing through all this, and then I realized, what in the crap am I going to do with them? Am I going to go teach math? Could you see me sitting in a classroom like, okay, students, this is X. Uh, you would have been my favorite teacher. I, I oh, probably, yeah, we'd probably be like, all right, we're going to kill something this weekend. <laughs> yeah. But um, with all that being said, I kind of was like, all right, well, that ain't going to work. And I started, at the time, the dot-com boom was happening. That's how old I am. So the dot-com thing was happening real real big, big, big time. Dot-com. Everything was web. Everything's web. It's the future. And I saw this. And, I mean, there was jobs out there left and right. I was like, all right, I got to jump on this computer stuff. And so I changed from math to computer science. And computer science, trucking along, everything's going good. And then I hit this class called physics. Mm. I could not pass. It was impossible. I'm just like, <laughs> what does physics got to do with a dot com? I so, physically have to hit dot com and hit enter on my computer, and I can watch it. I can. We can. We, I'm. I'm literally taught myself HTML coding to build websites while I was in college, but I couldn't pass physics. So if you pass physics, you're probably not sitting here right now. If I pass physics, I'm probably building spaceships or some crap. That's hilarious. On my vacation. Wow. I, I have no idea. And so I, I did all that. All right. So I couldn't pass physics. So then I was like, well, what can I change my major to to stay in the same field? And I looked at computer information systems, and there's a bunch of business classes. So accounting, economics, marketing. I'm like, hey, hold up now. I'm getting a well-rounded education if I go jump in all these fields. So I changed my major, which only took me seven years to graduate because I didn't know what I want to do. And uh, Tommy so boy. I get, I get it. What's that? Tommy boy. Yeah, exactly. You know, fat guy, little coat. <laughs> so um, so I, I keep trucking, and, I, and I'm doing really good in these business classes. So now I'm thinking, well, man, I can build websites. I know I run a business now. I mean, I can do budgets and all. Man, dang. I'm getting pretty smart, I think. And then I graduate, and it's like, all right, now what you going to do? Right. So I'm just applying for every job that I can find in a newspaper because that's what you did back then. Absolutely. But, you know, Google was barely in rolling thing. You had to circle uh, them. Yeah. Highlighter, and you called a number, and you went and filled out an application. And so my first it feels job, like so long ago. Oh, dude, it's, it was crazy. And and so my first job out of college was at Lassa State. And when they called me for an interview, I didn't even remember I had applied for the job. I had applied for so many jobs. I didn't, I'm like, what is this one for? Yeah, and they, and they called me in for pre-LinkedIn. Yeah, this was more like uh, LinkedIn. So. LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> so, but uh, we uh, – That might be a good website for a mugshot. I was going to say, that's probably where you're looking at the – yeah. Mugshot. Yeah. <laughs> That's like 90 days in, but it's the clink part. So has this ever come out in a podcast? Like as far no, absolutely as not. There, there's probably not 10 people Boom. that know this history of me. My, my parents maybe have not even know all this. There you That's go. That's a good thing. So um, with all that being said, so I got hired at that job to work at my house state. And I mean, I was just, I didn't need a job. I was out of college. I was on my own, you know, had to do what I had to do. I mean, I was in college working two jobs and, so anyway, here I am. And then uh, I worked there for 11, over 11 years at Valdosta State. And I just, nothing against it. Nothing, I'm not knocking anybody worse. I work with some tremendous people. I mean, just good salt of the earth folks that I do anything for to this day. But I just could not see myself sitting there in an office till I was 60 something years old. And Dude, that's why I'm sitting here talking to you right now. Like, uh, I, I just turned 40 this year and uh you know i had spent a lot of years i wasn't technical like yourself but i was involved in the it industry so you know being in those rooms and having conversations with the type of people that you're talking about i lived that for a number of years but at some point it does hit you you know i've got a limited amount of time here and i'm spending a huge chunk of it sitting in front of a computer screen well, and, and, and I mean, and so I'm, I'm sitting there and I had an opportunity now I'm sure a guy reached out to me because of honestly, like what we're talking about, because they saw what I was doing on social media with backwards life. They saw 
my brain was around the business side, um, you know, marketing, whatever, just being able to reach an audience. And he said, hey, man, I want you to come work for me. And this was close to probably 10 years ago now. And um, I was like, all right, let me think about it. And I remember calling my dad. My dad's old school now. I mean, old school. You work for the same place your whole life. He's yeah. he's still he's retiring sometime in the near future. He's three, Getting six the golden months. watch. Uh, he yeah he's 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 uh, sixty nine years old and been working at the same place since he was eighteen. That's so, incredible. That's crazy. That don't happen anymore. Nobody yeah, does. Now um, like, you're lucky if you get eighteen months out of somebody. Exactly. Like when I see a resume and it's got twelve months, I'm questioning their dedication right yeah <laughs> but but, um, but he i remember calling him and telling him what i was thinking about doing he didn't like it. like he was like no you got a good job it's you know working for valley state was a state job and blah, blah blah i said dad i may fall flat on my face i said the only thing i need to ask you is i got a bedroom yeah i got do i have a bedroom if if i have to and he said i, I, I always and i said all right i'm going I understand that completely. Um, and I love, I love my wife, you know, more than anybody else on this earth. And, uh, I don't feel bad saying that I never thought she would, you know, have the possibility of leaving me until I left my last job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's the same thing here. It was one of them that she was like, Hey, you know, doesn't she want to do life's too short not to be happy. And if you think that's what yeah. you need to be happy, it ain't about money. I mean, I, I and honestly, I ain't a lot of since this COVID stuff. I've really tried to simplify a lot of things in my life. Yeah, um, paying off stuff. I mean, trying to be. I'm trying to be as debt free as possible. I mean, not that I've got a bunch of debt. I got like a house payment, one vehicle payment, and a lawnmower payment. And only reason I got you want to be lean. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be where if something happens, I don't have to worry about. I got to make X amount of dollars a month. As long as I can pay the light bill and I can go, I'll go cut grass and wash windows or whatever I got to do to pay just to live. You For know, sure. Utilities and stuff. Um, and good Lord keeps blessing me with back with life. I'm going to do this till I, I'm toes up, you know? Well, and none of it, none of it happens without you taking some level of risk, you know, like yeah. it, yeah. it, it takes, uh, you know, you have to be your own catalyst, you know, if something's going to happen. And I think a lot of people, they get stuck and maybe, you know, watch too many movies where somebody's in a restaurant and, you know, somebody uh, has a conversation and offers them a job or something. You know what I mean? Like nobody's coming to save you. Nobody's coming to take care of you or put you in the situation you dreamed of. If it's going to happen, you've got to do it in more times than not it's going to require some level of risk, you know, but I think that part of it, just the journey in going from, you know, sink or swim and then seeing progress, there's a different level of fulfillment that comes from that. Like you start getting some confidence. You're like, you know what? I can do some things for myself. I don't have to uh, have somebody give me a, a platform, you know, what I'm doing for other people I could do for myself, you know? And you hit the middle of the head. I'm going to bring it back to the hunting side of this thing. What you bring what it you back. Because what you just described is a feeling like you go to an outfitter and you go hunting. And I'm not knocking it because I do it. I mean, I go, I go to outfitters all day long. I got great friends that are outfitters, and they do the best job they can to put you on a deer. For sure. But if you go to an outfitter and you hunt, and that guy says, hey, man, I'm going to put you in this ladder stand. About five o'clock, there's gonna be a ten point walkout. That's your book. All right, here it comes. Four fifty nine. You get ready. Ten o'clock. I mean, five o'clock. Here he comes. There's that ten. Got him, man. I mean, great job, great deer. Everybody did their job. The outfitters got his gratification because all oh, that came together for him. Clients happy. You're happy. Got your deer. But it ain't the same as sitting on that ladder stand that you planted that food plot that you went in and hung and you bush hard them roads and you managed that property or whatever. And then boom, that book comes out because of everything you did. Well played that, all, that fits so well. If I didn't know any better, I'd say that we talked about that before the podcast. And set that <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a perfect analogy. It absolutely is. It's absolutely. Perfect. Different feeling. You know, it's a different feeling when you, 
I mean, and I'm not knocking it, trust me, because I, I, I go, I've done gone without food this year and shot deer. I mean, I had a great time doing it. I'll shoot a deer tomorrow at an outfitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I but, but then I, 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 when I, like this year, I went to Wisconsin, shot a buck, came home, and I had a deer show up on trail camera. It was uh, November, the, was Halloween on Saturday? Was the next so. Day. so November 1st was on Sunday. That morning, a 10-point showed up on trail camera that we'd never seen before. And I said, I'm going to go hunt that deer until I kill him or I go home. That afternoon, I killed that deer. And that That's was awesome. as terrifying as any deer I've killed. Yeah. You can't, you can't take that away from me because I put that – well, I say uh, we put that stand there. We planted a food plot. Me and my guys, that we all hunt together. We did all that work for that to happen. Yeah. You know? And then, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't trade that deer for any of them. I mean, I, just, I totally get that. Now, it's all it, – well, just to – in recently just getting more into the food plot portion of it and, you know, actually putting the time in and time and effort on the front end, you know, just to see a deer feeding in a food plot that you planted, like take the shot out of it, take the harvest out of it to see a deer travel from point A to point B to end up at something you prepared. I mean, it's the small things over time that just make everything in and around this so special. And I'll tell you another thing, hinting around the same topic, probably one of the most fun things that we've done, we do like all in the summer and everything, getting ready for deer season is, is being at our hunting camp or at the farm. I mean, we enjoy planting the food plots and filling the feeders and checking the cameras as much as we do the hunting part, I believe. I mean, I really think oh, yeah. that that's part of, I would say hunting camp, if you will. I mean, it's part of hanging out there with your buddies and having a good time. And I'll be honest with you, come to end of deer season, I've, I've run so hard and traveled so much. Like after, after we're through with the hunting part, I just want to go to hunting camp and yeah. just hang out and do those kind of things. And maybe we'll get lucky, shoot a hog here or there, something like that. But just, I mean, literally just hang out. That's, 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 that's where I'm at in life. You know, I'd rather do that than a lot of things. For sure. Well, and that's something I was going to ask you about, you know, you're obviously doing something that you love, something you've been passionate about, you know, since birth, pretty much, you know, your whole family hunted and, you know, brought you into it. Are there moments where it gets to feeling too much like, like work or too much like a job? And is that how you maintain the balance by, you know, having that deer camp type of atmosphere? I will, I will say it, earlier in this, and I, I don't look at this as a career, but it is a career. Um, earlier in all this, I, I, it, I took the fun out of it myself. Like I put too much pressure on myself to produce, to, to, to get video, to shoot deer. Um, you just feel like, like it's your business, so you've got to be successful at that to be successful at your business. Right. And so that kind of got me in a bad mental place for a little while. And I remember my, I don't want you to call it a revelating moment or whatever. I was sitting in Kansas and um, a buddy of mine, Jared Lott was filming me um, from over in Statesboro area. And we're sitting there and we were talking about kind of, you know, the pressures of what we do. And I told him, I said, man, you know what? Heck with it. He said, what are you talking about? I said, right here in this ground blind in Kansas, this was like day five of a seven day hunt or whatever, grinding it out, you know, whatever happening i said man i don't even care anymore i said i'm just gonna start having fun and if i'm not having fun i'm gonna quit from this point forward i said i promise you i said record this so i can have it to remind myself or you can show it to anybody you want to then on this day michael lee said he was done if he wasn't gonna have fun anymore i then i just kind of decompressed right there in that blind in, in kansas and it wasn't 10 minutes later i shot a buck. that's awesome I mean, this. I had a little six point come in. I looked up, and here comes this this eight point, um, just putting on a show. And he had some trash on his base. Actually, his racks like just right over there. So that's <laughs> but, so. And from that moment, this was probably like like your reference point. Like every time this stuff started getting maybe a little too overwhelming, like that but, moment. Just I, I go back, and, and since then, I strategically picked where I hunted um who i hunted with i i quit and i'm not knocking out footers but i quit just going hunting with anybody that we could go hunting with like and i don't mean that in a bad way i still will 
talk to people and we'll fill it out. And if we jive, then I'll go hunting. But um, I started taking it to the point where I want to hunt with my friends. I want my, my you know, my dad or, or, you know, my close buddies to go with me. Um, and, and one of my guys that videos with me, Fred Branch, um, we grew up, we went to high school together. Me and him started hunting together a lot more in the last few years because, man, he's like my one of my ride or die guys, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and and to have somebody in camp with you that, hey, you know, that, that I don't, I mean, I'm not knocking freelance guys. I've hunted with a bunch of freelance guys over the years and got to be good friends with a lot of them, but we didn't know each other. Like having your comfort level in camp with you, knowing you're going, it hunting can be terrible, but me and Fred are going to cut up. We're going to have a good time. Right. That takes so much off of your plate. That takes For sure. stress out of your life. It's just like, you know, you're going to work every day with a bunch of people you don't know, but you go to work after five, 10 years with them and you know all of them and now you got some friends. Right. So it's easy to do that. So that's when I started applying to hunting and since then man i think i've been more successful in my hunts i've been a lot less stressed about stuff i've had more fun than i could probably ever have fun just by simplifying things and just getting kind of back to what we talked about in the beginning of having that hunting cat mentality right we're just here to have a good time if the deer don't cooperate then the heck with them which is well you know you can't fake chemistry you know, and it's not to say anything bad about another individual, but I can say personally, I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people know me and I consider a lot of people friends, but it's a very, very tight group to where I can say I can just 100% be myself and not have to think more than I should about anything. I agree hundred percent. I mean, and, and, and the, exactly what you just said. I know a lot of people and a lot of people know me and that's great. And I, and I, you know, I care about a lot of people and I help a lot of people, but really when it boils down to it, I don't have a ton of friends. Yeah. Well, I got some really tight ones and that's, that's more important to me than everybody knowing who I am. Oh yeah. Well, just being out this morning with my first cousin, you know, we grew up together. We're the same age, a few months apart. Uh, for the first probably you know eight nine years of our life we were actually neighbors and so there's still that element where i still feel like we're eight year olds sometimes <laughs> but hunting together you know i don't i don't have to wonder if he's enjoying himself if he's not seeing deer or like i don't feel like i have to do anything to enhance his experience and that's part of it we're just both that comfortable with each other and it's 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 hard to find that and it's like you said it's not saying anything bad about anybody but there you know i think just a certain wavelength and it's weird because sometimes you can hit it immediately with a stranger and feel more comfortable with that person than somebody you know your whole life and i got it's just funny you say that a good buddy of mine uh, tom herbert he lives down in mount dora florida it's literally nowhere but um he and I met at an ATA show a few years back, and it's like we, we hung out at an ATA show, then we hung out at a shot show, then we hung out, hung out at an NWTF show, and Tom and I could pick up the phone right now, I'm not talking for five months, pick right up where we left off, and we started turkey hunting together, and um, that was a bad, bad thing for the turkey. <laughs> we had murdered the turkeys together. But with all that being said, it's just one of them guys, like, like you're talking about, I mean, you feel like you've known each other forever. For sure. And you've only been friends for about five years. And so that's the relation. That's the beautiful thing about hunting, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like when you, you meet people at hunting camps, at trade shows, and then what we do, we do come in contact with a lot more people than, than average folks. But a hunting camp can build. I know within, if we hunt together three days, I know if me and you are going to be great friends or not. I mean, that's probably just like, within the first day. <laughs> probably so, but I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt in case they have. Yeah, that. you want to you want to work through that initial presentation phase and then see what you've got in that person. Might have had some bad Mexican night before, not be real sociable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that leads me to this next segue. So we actually have a mutual friend, Rodney Kennedy. Mm -hmm. so before this podcast you know last week i text rudd you know everybody calls him rudd yeah. like, hey rudd i'm talking to michael lee next week you got anything you know <laughs> anything i can bring up during the conversation so this is this is what he gave me okay he said one um ask you about you kevin and roger raglan doing the muzzy campfire 
And what was the craziest or most embarrassing question that you can remember getting? Oh, gosh. Man, he's going to ask me some stuff from so long ago. I can't remember. You know, it just hit me as I was asking you how long it has been since that took the Muzzy yeah. Campfire. There's been a minute there. So let, we'll come back to that one. Well, like, I, 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 I can't remember what Russ talking about specifically, but I will say one thing that we kind of, kind of uh, threw us for a loop during that. And so uh, for those that watch this, that you know, aren't familiar, what they used to be the Big Buck Expos they had, and um, I forgot where all that. I know there was, there's some down in Florida and, and different places, but anyway, Jay Everett, the worst hunter safety system, they'll put those on for years and Rudd would be there and Dave Foster who used to work um, with Muzzy passed away now. Um, good guys, but um, they would do the, these Muzzy hunting camps. And so we would have a panel up there. And so it'd be like me and Kevin and uh, like Roger was in there. We and just different people. And, you know, it was a Q and A thing. We talked a little bit, they would ask some questions and then the audience asked questions. And um, they, they asked a question, all of us, they said it could be to one person or everybody. And they said to everybody, what's your biggest buck you've ever killed? Now, and it come to me and I was like, oh, you know, 152. Kevin's like, oh, you know, 143. Rogers, 224. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we all looked around like, dang it, boy. Holy <laughs> shit, man. And like, and like we, and you know, Roger, I, I, and Roger, he's always been a super guy to me. I, I, I think world over respecting for what he's done in the industry for all these years. But you know, and he's got just hundreds and hundreds. He got more deer mounts and deer. I probably was this a free range two twenty four, like for real. That's what threw the loop. That's uh, what kind of made it awkward. We're all sitting there, and and, and like even Dave was kind of like, "Why hadn't I heard about this deer?" You know, <laughs> and I don't know if that's what Rudd is talking about. I would love to know if that's not it, what he was talking about. I can't remember, and I apologize for that. But dude, I should have asked him if he had a specific memory that he was referencing. That's my bad. Yeah, no, it's all good. And, and, and next time you talk to him, I hadn't talked to him in a little while. Uh, tell him I miss him, and I thank the world of him for sure. Well, he's going to hear it. He told me to send him – I don't know how much he listens to podcasts, but he told me if I'd send him a link, he'd check it out. <laughs> the other one – the other one – he said, uh, ask you about you, him, and your wife in a ground blind hunting turkey. I, and, I, I knew that was coming. Well, <laughs> you talking about bad Mexican food is what made me think of it because he said you were gassing them the whole time and blaming it on him. It was him. <laughs> That's my story. He going down with the ship. It was not me. It was him. It was still right. He's going to, yes, he's going to, but you need, you need to ask him. Has he ever seen anybody run after a turkey faster than me that last day we was up there? Is there a video of this? I don't know if it is. It's stuck in one of these drawers over here. It's been a minute since <laughs> I would we like to see that. We, 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 had a, uh, we had a great hunt. Like we were little birds, and I was trying to get my wife on. And um, this, this finally, I think it was the last one we were hunting, a bird, a couple birds had come up this ridge, whatever. But one comes up there, and I think I was videoing. And we're looking, I mean, the deer, the deer, the turkey's about, he's out there about 40 yards, 35, 40 yards, which is back then we don't, didn't have apex ammo and I wasn't shooting four tens at 50 yards now. Right. Like so I forgot what we were hunting with, but this, this turkey's out there. And literally if he takes two more steps, he goes down the ridge. And I told her, like, I'm watching him like, all right, shoot him. And she's like, what? I said, shoot him. <laughs> she shoots, dude. And from my angle, the turkey was in view. From her angle, his head was right behind the stump. And she just blows up this stump. And, I mean, it peppers the turkey and all that. And he kind of, you know, down this little hill, he does a little flop roll and whatever, and just takes off running. And I just get up, I just tackle Barry, you know, running. So fast I can run. I'm just trying to get up there where I can shoot him. Because <laughs> I didn't know if she had hit him, wounded him, or what. Last time I saw him, I think he was going over I-75 hitting Tennessee. So y'all didn't get the turkey? No. He's gone. He, I mean, he's still up there. I think he's he's probably 12 years old by now. That's hilarious. Now, I, and I haven't – I haven't – well, I take it back um, when I first – when I was on the verge 
of actually going uh pursuing the horny deer sense company i i, I went to lunch with rudd just to kind of pick his brain i know he had spent some time in this side of the business which i had not uh, but even during that conversation, he, he mentioned you personally in, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to connect with you, he just had nothing but glowing things to say about you as an individual, you as a hunter, you as a Christian, just across the board, nothing but positive things. And after that, you were one of the first people that I wanted to connect with once we got into this. So you just taking the time to do this, let me hang out with you. I really do appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that very much. That means more to me than, than I can say to, to hear those words and, you know, to be here. And I, I, I don't know, that, that, that kind of got me a little bit right there. <laughs> no, well, it, it's true, man. And, uh, you know, I appreciate real and, you know, you definitely, from everything I've seen, fit that bill. Um, I've held you here close to an hour at this point and, uh, hope it's not the last time. I hope we can circle back and do it again. I don't want to take you or take up any more time than I have to, but certainly on my end, uh, you know, we're just getting started, but if there's ever anything that I can do, just let me know. Well, I appreciate it. Same here. Whatever I can do to help you out, anything, uh, we're a phone call away. Sounds good, Michael. I appreciate you taking the time and hope we get to do it again soon. Sounds like a plan to me. As always, really appreciate you checking out the Horny Deer Sense podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed getting to know Michael Lee a little bit today. If you're enjoying a podcast and you haven't subscribed, please do that and maybe even leave a review. If you're not enjoying the podcast, yeah, you don't have to bother with a review. Uh, we'll just take your word for it. We'll see y'all next time.